0: Welcome, Coplins! Back to another episode of Coplin Talk, where this is the giant dumpy that we've all been waiting for, Rand and Matt's journey on the road to Camelin. It's not a fun journey, but I thought we should do it all in one chunk. There's a lot going on in this episode. We'll get into it in a second, but before we get started, Lily, do you have any initial thoughts about everything that happens. I know it's a lot to kind
1: of cover with just a quick. Yes, hello everyone, this is Lily. No, I was telling Julia pre-show that I love that we have chunked these together cause you're right, like it, a lot happens but a lot of the same happens and ultimately we make it to Camelin, spoilers, sorry. That's um, not a spoiler, <laughs> Yeah, we told them what's up. But yeah, so some first thoughts, I was surprised at how well Rand can play the flute and Matt can juggle. Mm-hmm. I think I missed that. I know they were doing a lot of the acrobatics when they were on the boat with Tom, but I forgot that they actually are good enough at instruments at instruments to actually pay their way through the different inns. Um, uh, something Rand taught me is that if an innkeeper is fat, that is good. If an innkeeper is skinny, <sighs> that yeah. is bad. So Sage advice we, from Rand. We've learned this. Yep. And we just meet a lot of dark friends. I was telling Julia pre-show that this is kind of the first time that we're actually, maybe, maybe not because we met more death, But my point is, this is the first time we're meeting sort of this web, uh, this connection of a bunch of these dark friends in different towns, in different cities um, after these boys. And they're sort of presenting themselves to them. Yeah. So I thought that yeah. was interesting. It was kind of hard to keep up with. Who was injured at what time? Because Matt goes blind, <laughs> Rand has a fever. They're carrying they each really other struggle. in litters, and of course, there's a ballsy dream. We can't have we can't have a Rand perspective no. without a ballsy dream. Never. Ultimately, we finally make it to Camlin, and I can't wait for what what lies ahead because we get a ton of info in this. So, that's that's what we're gonna be talking yes. about today in the Dumpy episode. Oh yeah. All right.
0: So I don't have too much of an overall summy, I, summary I have more of a <laughs> summy. a, a summary I have more of a a list of points and mm-hmm. a little like forward so there's a lot going on in this episode today uh, and Rand and Matt are put through a lot like Lily just said Tom is dead so they're the only group from Emmons field without some kind of guide at this point and it becomes very obvious that the boys have a lot to learn about life outside the two rivers Still, all things considered though I think they do fairly well for themselves. I mean, they do make it to camelin, so no i'm pretty good. I'm very
1: impressed with them, yeah, yeah.
0: In this episode, I wanted to talk about how Matt and Rand each cope with being on their own, the illnesses that they struggle with, the strangers and dark <sighs> friends we meet along the road, and also the fucking timeline in chapter thirty three I don't know if this is just me, but that chapter has confused me in literally every reread I've ever done. But I think I kinda have it figured out now, I don't know why it would throw me so hard every time. Either way, whatever. I mean, and if, if you're confused,
1: can you imagine yeah. what I'm like?
0: So I know. yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> there's too many scarves. Why do they get given scarves twice? Right? Why are there so sure. many scarves? That's why I was kind of confused about Matt's blindness, because I'm like, is, yeah. he, is he wearing the scarf because he's blind, or is he wearing the scarf before that happened? What's the scarf? Right, I know. What I does it mean? At, is it fashion? I thought in chapter 31
0: he's wearing the scarf around his whole head except for his right. eyes, too. And that's before he gets blinded. So. Yeah,
1: no, uh, the scarf also confused me. The scarf, join okay, the scarf with the litter and also the fairy from yep. Karen Fairy. Yep. We're going to put those yep. all in together as to objects we don't understand.
0: Yeah, thank you. I'm so glad you're here with me on that point. Mm-hmm. The major points of this group of chapters for chapter 31, I want to talk about Matt growing paranoid about strangers um, there's some happy times actually the at the Grinwells farm, Elsie, and realizing they can perform for room and board. Rand's also internal thoughts have turned kind of sour too. That's mm. pretty sad. In chapter 32, Four Kings, uh, I want to talk about Rand's bad feeling upon entering the town, the red flags at the Dancing Cartman, aka the skinny innkeeper. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also get dark friend Goad, our first outright person of the shadow. I'm, I'm pretty sure because like more death is more like an enemy of everyone and also the shadow. Okay. So I don't know if I would call him a dark friend, more so just
1: evil. Or something. Well, the term dark friend is thrown out so, like, flippantly, so it's hard to know, like, oh, this is actually an, a dark friend, it's not someone who's being accused of this, or someone that's weird, this is right. actually, like, hi, Yeah. no, I'm working for the dark one. I'll tell it to your face. I know, yeah, some of them, like, uh, Pider,
0: or how, however you pronounce his name, um, slips that up. That guy sucks. Very bad yeah. minion. Yeah. Yeah, we'll <laughs> yeah. Uh, I obviously want to talk about Rand and Matt getting trapped mm-hmm. and their escape. Mm-hmm. And that's how Matt blinds his eyes. Chapter 33, Dark Weights. Let's talk about Kinch's car and his offer of help. That was very sweet. And then we'll go into the flashback. That's where it always confused me. We start that chapter ahead and then go back a couple days and walk you through until you get to present day again. And that, I, it always oh. takes me a couple of, like times to remember that
1: (laughs) oh i don't know why it confuses me yeah no we'll get there i think as we're as we're recapping it or as we're analyzing it for the audience uh yeah if you want to help me figure that out because oh yeah i just read that you wrote flashback and i'm like uh right yeah i read this chapter on a through audiobook three times i read all these chapters in three chunks actually as we are recording this as julia knows i got a desk from ikea and i spent the entirety of the four chapters putting it together so that's how long it took me guys sorry <laughs>
0: <laughs> good old ikea
1: my favorite place
0: and then finally chapter 34 the last village not a ton going on more so just rand and matt walking along the road again avoiding inns meeting the or not actually meeting but watching the dark friend innkeeper meeting with a fade and then meeting almond bunt and hitching a ride on his wagon falling asleep to his many stories Mm -hmm. and then finally arriving at Camelin. so there's a lot to go over i want to stick to the the major points so this episode isn't like two hours long right but we'll see you know we're gonna try to do it justice everything that they go through this chapter so or chunk dumpy, whatever you want to call it.
1: I Yeah, I was kind of wondering why you kept using the term like dumpy episode, but I, I understand what you mean. It's just like, it's a big dump of info, yeah. but I, yeah. And then just turned into dumpy.
0: Dumpy like, is my, okay, dumpy is my new favorite term for okay. like a dump truck ass. Because <laughs> um, it just <laughs> it sounds so cutesy and innocent, but like it's not. It, it I, just, I don't know, like I'm I'm nearing
1: 30, but I'm still immature. Don't you you fucking dare say we're nearing 30. Shut up. We're not. It's true. No, it's not. I refuse. (laughs) I'm not fucking doing that today. (laughs) Sorry. We're 21. Uh Uh-huh. 19. Yeah. Okay. Yep. You can hear it in my sad voice. (laughs) Anyway, this episode I thought qualified as a dumpy. Oh, now that you've given me that full explanation, 100%, this is dumpy episode. Okay? Humpy humpy dumpy.
0: Exactly. If you will. So, why don't we start in order, as we always do, with chapter 31... My quick summary for this chapter is, Rand and Matt have been on the road for some time now, avoiding people and sleeping in hedges, sometimes they can work on a farm for a haystack to sleep in or the barn maybe, but Matt's getting more suspicious of strangers and usually gets them run off the farm for having shifty eyes. They also have a breakthrough when staying at the Grinwells' farm, realizing that they're just good enough at juggling and playing the flute to earn their dinner and abetted inns as they travel. That is the main point of this chapter, besides just showing how hard it is to kind of make their way from Whitebridge to Camlann, because it's a long road. I actually haven't looked at the map for
1: this, but it yeah. feels like it takes them forever. Speaking of that, yeah, let me look. Because they're, it's... Uh, again, again, the trade paper book, what are you doing with maps? The map that we're looking at now is on page 175. Where we're at in the book is 427. So that's yeah. helpful. But yeah, it doesn't seem like they're they're getting very far. Because at the end of this, they're in Four Kings. And then Four Kings, um, and then the chapter uh, 33. And then the beginning of chapter f- 34, they're at the Carysford. So that river, which is like, it looks here that it should take them 20 minutes and it has taken them (laughs) three months i know
0: i didn't realize that four kings was so far along and like most of their time traveling at least in these chapters feels like it's after four kings and right and well i mean to be fair matt's blind and then rand is later later very ill
1: So, and it's interesting, like just looking at this map, you see Arthur Hawkwing's uh, statue, and it's like yeah. they at one point they must have not been that far away from Perrin and Egwene. You know, like they're know. all kind of in the same area. Yeah. And who the fuck knows where Moraine and Mo and Co are? But I have a point later on.
0: I don't want to get ahead of myself. Where one of Rand's dreams, I feel like, is connected to Perrin's dream with the raven. Okay. And I think that might line up the timelines for us, because oh. right now we have no way of knowing, like, what what time everyone is doing things. Like, right. Perrin and
1: Egwene might be already in the steading at this point? I don't really know. So. Right, it's like, where we left them is they, um, you know, Elias is MIA, and Egwene and Perrin are now captured by uh, the White Cloaks, and are heading... Right. Or no, they are heading to Caitlin. So... Yes. It would so that's where we have left them, but that not might not be where they are chronologically in Rand's yeah. story. I mean, if you think too hard about that, it can get really <laughs> confusing. Yeah, it there
0: these books uh, jump around and how much time is covered a lot, and like mm-hmm. especially if you change perspective, it's not always going to be chronological. You might go back in time to kind of fill in what that character was doing while the other character was doing what you just read about. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's kind of really difficult to tell the timeline and how long things take, but there's some people that are really dedicated out there that have some very useful websites that I don't have the names of right now, but I'll try to remember to shout them out because I use them to try to orient myself for this chapter. Anyway, that's necessary. Chapter 31, the opening of this chapter shows just how different Rand and Matt are right now that Tom is gone. There's no more joking around. They're hiding from any mounted stranger that they see coming, which is smart, but it just feels so sad that Mm -hmm. as soon as they see the plume of dust on the road, they are, like, searching along the hedges to kind of search for a spot to hide. Right. Um, They're worried that the next person on the road could be the Fade or a dark friend working for the Shadow that will tell the Fade, no one can be
1: trusted. I mean, but they're ultimately right. Like, all of these fears are very founded. Like, they, I think... In Bear Lawn, where Rand is attacked by the Merdral up close, is kind of the first time outside of Winter Night when that happened to him. And now the Merdral made it to uh, Whitebridge, and so it's like these attacks are happening faster and faster. So it's like they have to be on their yeah. feet. But you're right; it's like this. It's just really sad, and they all they can do is go to farm to farm and you know offer <laughs> work so that and then so. Uh, they can eat and it, it's pretty it's pretty dire yeah matt's not very jokey yeah. sad
0: no no in fact he's very suspicious of everyone like he is struggling more than rand at this point by mm. far he is wearing his scarf so it completely covers his head except for his eyes and he's <laughs> not blind yet <laughs> so there's no real reason for this other than to look sketchy right and when the riders pass them along the road while they're hiding, he silently snarls at them like a cornered badger, which kind of fits for Matt. I mean, mm-hmm. he has a thing with badgers, apparently. He does. And every time he senses danger or is worried about danger, he's clutching the dagger from Shadar Logoth beneath his jacket. He's, just, he's forgotten that he has a bow, which is more of like his two rivers weapon. He's just not using it anymore. It's just all about this dagger, which also, to be fair is probably more useful if someone's up in your
1: face. I guess but so, but still. I think it's it's more for show. It's like, as much as Matt doesn't want to be yeah. noticed, it's also like, look at my sick, ruby-hilted dagger. Like, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty well, cool, right?
0: Well, yeah. Rand even mentions that they could you know, sell that right for a lot of money because they're desperate and have no food. But Matt gets real mad. He's like,
1: we could get to Camelon in a carriage if we sell this. I know. And Matt's like, well, sell your hair and sword. And Brand yeah. is like, well, no, because that's my
0: father's sword. And then they just kind of glare at each other. And it's a little sad because it's their first fight that we've really witnessed. And Aww. clearly it's because they're struggling <laughs> and stressed
1: and... In the end, yeah. they make up. No, this this type of travel will bond them forever.
0: Yeah, that's the true test of friendship right oh, there. Yeah. I think they pass it, though. They have some very sweet and very sad moments Oh together. my gosh, yeah.
1: Yeah, when Matt's taking care of Rand.
0: There's just a couple examples that I pulled out of Matt just struggling and being very suspicious. Matt ruins their chances of a warm meal and a bed when an old couple has kind of taken them in for farm work and says the boys remind them of their grandsons. When they're mucking out the stalls, the old farmer comes in and Matt just straight up glares at this guy and so much so that the old farmer like scurries away in fear. And then when they go back to the farmhouse, they're told that the grandsons that they reminded them of are actually on their way tonight Oh, we won't have space (laughs) sorry please just take this food and go and don't hurt us right um matt like is sure that the old farmer is up to something which is just really like i'm imagining this guy is an old man like right matt
1: Come on. Well, it's like, like I said, it's not like Matt's in the wrong necessarily. It's just like putting his suspicions in the wrong place. But it's right. It's like, yeah, I wouldn't be trusting anyone after the ordeal they've been through. And, you know, they did still get food. Like, I think the the uh, his wife sort of gives him this bundle of bread and cheese and pickles. And she's like, here, take this at least like you guys are sketchy, but at least take something.
0: Yeah. Like it's still maybe you're not. Bad, but not Mm. good enough to sleep in our home
1: tonight. Right, Which is fair.
0: Yeah, very fair. I understand that. Rand is also struggling, but I would say less so at this point, at least. He's having some really mean internal dialogue to himself, thinking about what Tam said and feeling like he doesn't belong anywhere or have a true home. This quote, you might as well stop, the voice snickered. One place is as good as another when you aren't from anywhere. And the Dark One has you marked. You'll never see him home again. Poor Ram. Ouch.
1: Is he wrong? I mean, you know, <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, I mean, when you're not sleeping, you're not eating well. It's high stress. You're not gonna be nice to yourself. No. And I think he's been continually kind of in despair about specifically Tam not being his father. And, like, mm-hmm. he's holding on to this sword that is his connection to Tam... You know, he wants right. to make sure he's doing okay for Tam. He wants to see Tam again. But, like, I just think it's interesting that in Rand's monologue, or in Rand's perspective, rather, he always refers to Tam as Tam, not, like, my dad, my father. Yeah, it's always, he just says right. Tam. But he always has. These chapters, they're sad. They are set, and that's why I wanted to group them together
0: and stop where they arrive at Caveland because it kind of ends on a more positive note. So yeah, at least (laughs) like a change of
1: yeah, a change of direction um, narratively. So there's that. This chunk of chapters and the ones previously
0: with Perrin and Egwene and like the very short one with Nynaeve and Moraine Mm -hmm. and Lan has been. It's all kind of obviously like a, a setup. It's been kind of a restart once they got separated. Now they're all kind of starting. With right. a new foundation, they have to build their way back up again, and they're all just trying to get to the same place. It seems like most of them are heading to the same place at this point, so that's good. Right. But it's just been a lot of uh, struggle. Yes. Absolutely. But there's one light at the end of the tunnel, at least in this chapter, when they meet the Grinwells, who have nine fucking children. It's I can't. too much. I'm so sorry much. for that yeah. wife. That's uh, insane but they they take in the boys they do some farm work and we get some of that like early book humor again where Elsie the youngest daughter loves Brand she yeah. says that she likes tall men and Ooh. all the men around here are short and Brand cannot handle it he doesn't know what to do he even has the same thought that Perrin had just a few chapters before where like, oh, I wish I was Perrin. He would know what to do with this girl. Like he would crack a joke and she would just laugh and not moon over me where her dad could see. Is Perrin funny?
1: Like, is he known as I know. someone who's funny? I'm sorry. I don't sorry. Know. I don't know. These boys are just a little clueless. Um, yeah, yeah, I think a little clueless is probably downplaying it. They're just kind of idiots when it comes to this. I will say, <laughs> this girl, like, hell yeah. You're, she's, she's so thirsty. forward. I mean, it's so funny. She's coming up to Ran and is saying, like, you're tall. No one around here is tall. And he's like, what does that mean? Like, she's coming on to you in the most obvious way. And he's like, "Oh." Do you want to see me play the flute?
0: His reaction is to ignore it so that it goes away. And then because he's working shirtless while she's watching, he's like, I guess I should put my shirt back on. But he's borrowing the father's shirt, so it doesn't fit him well. In fact, it's tight around the shoulders and Mm -hmm. it's cropped. So he's just wearing a crop top and this is not helping Rand. This is making matters
1: worse. Did you not predict this? Like, chapter one? Thank Rand you. Rand in a crop I top? I don't know if I was just subliminally yeah. remembering
0: this moment.
1: I mean, I, I'm 100% in on Elsie. Like, you go, girl. Make this yeah. dude uncomfortable. I want to watch Rand's shirtless. <laughs> obviously. I, I'll, I'll be a creeper and just stare at him, chop wood or whatever they're doing. <laughs> they're picking up horse poop. So hot. Oh, well, yeah. So
0: hot. Luckily for Rand, They end up staying the night at the family's house, and Elsie's mom has picked up on Elsie's feelings towards Rand. Mm -hmm. I think after the point when Rand plays the flute once, and Elsie's like, that was the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. (laughs) Oh, yeah.
1: (laughs) And the mom's mom's like, "Like, hold
0: up. I'm sorry. Was it? (laughs) So she forces Elsie to sleep in the same bed as her mom. Yeah. Thereby preventing teen pregnancy. Great job, mom, Elsie. Keep it in your pants for one more night.
1: Truly a hero. Elsie, I feel you. Okay, I understand.
0: And that's pretty much the end of that chapter. They just end up realizing after that they can um, play the flute and juggle for money at inns. And that's what they end up doing. And that's pretty much how they travel most of the way. Because like we realized, Four Kings is way down the road from uh, Whitebridge. And it's not until Four Kings that they really run into trouble with dark friends yeah
1: no and I I do want to say this quote from um master Grinwell so they're playing and he says I'll tell you lads I've paid good money and in for no better entertainment than I've had this night for worse so and I know you were mentioning this before to me Julia but I was sort of confused about like their level of talent and the instruments but it seems like they they're just playing like Mary had a little lamb and villagers are like holy (laughs) shit Bruh, like, this <laughs> what is otherworldly. It's so amazing. And so, yeah, like, the Gleeman coming in... Obviously, mm-hmm. I didn't have that perspective because I immediately hated that guy. But to the Evans Fielders right. or to any small village, it's like, oh, my God, an actual gleam in someone that's really trained in entertainment. And so right. these boys who are barely doing anything. It's impressing people. Are so entertaining that they get food and bored. But as we'll learn for Kings in Shadow, it comes at a pretty high cost, uh, I'd say, yeah. when they're at yeah. the Dancing Cartman. So, yeah, it turns they, uh, out
0: that performing at every inn along the way. Way, when you're stopping for the night leaves a pretty clear trail for every dark friend right. that's searching for you that knows that right. you were traveling with the gleeman and you took his flute.
1: Which um, is exactly and- my point when Tom <laughs> Marathon came with them. R.I.P. bruh. Like I understand you kind of I respect you, kind of, as well. Um, <laughs> but he did put this seed in the boy's head of like, oh, here you can be a performer. Come with me to Ilian, Come with me to Tarvalen, whatever. And you're right. Yeah. All it does is attract attention to them.
0: Yeah. No, it Still. was always a pipe dream. Clearly, the Dark One is not going to let them go until who knows when but you know he's just gonna keep looking for them and they need protection of some kind at this point because the way they're doing it is not working so well not great so the four kings in shadow this town is not as nice a village as the other ones they've been going through it's kind of a major throughway for a lot of merchants i think because two major roads go through it so rand immediately has a bad feeling about it and Boy, you gotta trust your intuition, okay? He knew something bad was gonna happen, but it's it's also not like they had much options, mm, you know? Like, it was yeah. about to storm, and they didn't want to sleep in a hedge again, which is very fair, especially when it's gonna storm outside, and they had no reason to believe that things were gonna go as wrong as they did. Yeah. Although, later on, Rand kind of muses over how he never realized... How good of a trap an inn would make because you're just kind of trapped inside. Yeah. But either way, I'm getting ahead of myself. So they make it to the Dancing Cartman, which is where Samuel Hake, the innkeeper, who is skinny and should not be trusted, is allowing them to perform after some negotiating. This man also gives Rand a bad feeling, right? He, it's pretty clear pretty quickly that this innkeeper just wants to rob them i mean his inn is dirty bad sign he's yeah skinny. bad sign
1: he abuses
0: his staff i was about to say bad if, sign. if i
1: could just talk about that for a hot moment go off when they're negotiating trying to get um you know food and they're like hey we can play instruments or whatever and uh samuel hake is like oh we have somebody and then a server comes <laughs> by and she's like he's Fucking shit, dude. And he slaps her across the face. Yeah. And she kind of gets up and is angry. But yeah, it's just like outright abuse. And then later, as the inn, uh, maybe this is getting ahead of ourselves, but I'll just talk about it right now. Later, as the inn fills up because, you know, um, Matt and Rand are, are performing more and our people are coming in and it's more of a good time. So the crowds get a little bit more rowdy and they're groping women the women Yelp. are sort of laughing at all the shitty jokes you know just as women need to do and rand yeah is one of the worst rand moments he has an internal thought like i don't know why they put up with it oh my god rand, I know. it's just a naive they thought. put up with it because they fear death and that is the difference between men and women okay it just that made me so sad and i'm just like rand it's that's how it is but regardless of the horrific abuse of the women, it it yeah, it just p- further plays into this is not a good place to be. Mm-hmm. Y'all need to leave. Mm-hmm. No one is good here. Nothing is right here. This should not be a place where you're stopping. But it does prove to them that this is how they can afford to get food and afford to sleep. But get the fuck out of there, y'all. I okay, know. Matt's about to be blinded. I know. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> okay. Let's break the timeline of this night down a little bit. Okay. Rand and Matt have negotiated with Samuel Hake. He's agreed after some huffing and puffing to let them eat food in the middle of the night while they're performing so they don't pass out and stuff. Right. Um, and they go up and start performing and they actually get a crowd going and I'm pretty sure actually I did not do the timeline right now <laughs> i'm <laughs> okay. pretty sure that Rand's sword is the only reason that hake didn't rob them outright because this oh. is clearly a bad man right yeah and there's a moment when they're negotiating with rand and hake is like trying to not give them dinner or something he's obviously trying to just like swindle them yeah for as much as he can get and Rand puts his hand on his sword hilt. And he does this a bunch of times throughout this whole group of chapters. He puts his hand on his sword hilt and was like, all right, I mean, as long as we get everything that we're agreed upon. And it gives Hake pause. Mm-hmm. Here's the quote that I pulled. Hake blinked, and for a moment he seemed uneasy himself. And this is just kind of the theme of where the heron marked sword that Rand has attracts attention. It's both right. good and bad because it obviously these blades aren't very common, so it calls attention to him and it makes it a very easy trail for the Fade to follow. But it also kind of ends up protecting them because Rand is just old enough where people are like, there's no way that could belong to him. Like there's a bunch of people, I think Jack the Bouncer even says like, that's clearly not yours or other people have claimed that Rand must have stolen this sword. Right. But he's, you know, a tall guy, an adult at this point. So they're like, it gives him enough pause that they're like, maybe he can actually use it. And it's just better to kind of rob him in his sleep instead. So (laughs)
1: I mean, okay, but to be (laughs) honest, I feel like that uh, supports my theory that Tam was a warder because he has this sword. Although you would think... If that was true, people would mention, like, that's a warder's sword. Oh, my God. Only a warder mm-hmm. would have that. Mm-hmm. But Rand's mm-hmm. clearly not that. But, yeah, you're right. It's always mentioned that people around Rand are like, that's definitely not his. So what? what's up with right. that? But, like, if Lan was carrying it, no one would question it. So it's just a difference of age. No, because Lan looks like he could kill you with his bare hands. Well, that's true. I think it's just the vibes. Okay, it's vibes. You know? I understand. (laughs) Now I understand. Now we have put it into the vibe translator. Now I get it. Yeah. Got it. Exactly. Cool. It
0: also ends up throwing off Howl Goad, the dark friend merchant, later on in the chapter to kind of jump ahead for a second. The only thing that seemed to shake the velvet-cloaked man's equilibrium was Rand's sword. So again, Mm. this guy who's got his band of goons to protect him is still given pause when he realizes that Rand has this hair and marked blade Okay. and Rand refuses to stop wearing it because it's like, I think we talked about already. It's his connection to Tam. Yeah. Tam had given it to him, his father. As long as he wore the sword, there was still some connection between Tam and him, a thread that gave him the right to still call Tam father, Ugh, which damn. I know. So this is, it's, working in multiple ways for rand's benefit right now
1: (laughs) yeah and i think too it it proves to me that rand deep down he's not admitting it to himself but he knows that tam isn't his father because Hmm. if he was so sure that tam is his father he wouldn't need to like carry this sword to prove it to himself you know it's like he's still trying to hold on so badly to this idea but he knows deep down that tam isn't his dad but it's like what does that mean rand he raised you your whole life right he he protected you in all these ways you protected him like what does that word mean like why does it matter he took that you he took you from a mountainside it's not a great look but saved your life
0: yeah no i think rand is kind of going through some of the stages of grief absolutely right now where he might still be in denial yeah but That aside, so Rand and Matt begin performing, everything's going as well as it can in this dump of an inn, (laughs) and then the merchant shows up, and this guy immediately stands out in the crowd, a sleekly, fleshy man with a soft look to his hands and velvet everything. I know, that sounds disgusting. Sleekly fleshy. Yeah, he's wearing velvet slippers for shoes, for fuck's sake. Is he
1: Hugh Hefner? What the fuck are you doing? (laughs) This is gross. He wants to be. He
0: enters the inn late at night after having clearly searched the town for Rand and Matt, as we later learn from the gossiping kitchen staff. He also smiles like a cartoon villain as soon as he recognizes (laughs) Rand and Matt. He's literally just sitting there all night at his own table because everyone else can tell this man smells and stares at them okay. smiling he's just sitting there like you know doing that peek thing with his hands and yep. just like
1: <laughs> okay god you'll be mad at this comparison but probably because his name is Howell and he's weird but is this Howell from Howell's moving castle because like that guy also is weird and very like fashion-conscious, and he cares so much. The, <laughs> the only thing I remember about that movie is how much he cares about his hair, and he had a mental breakdown about his hair. He did. This guy's wearing velvet in, like, a dumpy-gross, like, town at a dumpy-gross mm-hmm. inn, and he's, like, mm-hmm. doing the weird, like, twisting his mustache and, like, like drumming his fingers together and smiling as, yeah. like, he's about to eat them for dinner or something. Like
0: I, I know! It's creepy. I don't you know. You know what? I'll let, um, I'll let our coplins... Think on that opinion and let us know if they agree with you. It's interesting. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, And like we mentioned before, I'm pretty sure whatever dark friend network these people have, they knew that the boys were traveling by performing. And that's why this man had been going in and out of every inn in The Four Kings until he got to the very last one and then recognized them. So it was good and bad every everything in in this chunk of chapters is
1: kind of like a double edged sword yeah pretty much also a learning <laughs> lesson you know i think yeah. once once they get to camelin hopefully they'll reunite with some more of the og group they'll know that like oh yeah we gotta stay low no more performing we gotta leave the gleamers' right. life behind yeah. okay well, moraine's
0: got money out the ass so it's not like oh. they need to
1: perform yeah i won't go there but they do just throw <laughs> money at things, and they're like, the problem has been solved. I have given them coins. Land? <laughs> Land. Coins? Come now, man. The coins. So this kind of
0: ends the first half of the night. At some point in the middle of the night, Rand tells Hake the innkeeper, hey, we need our food. We're going to pass out if we don't eat, so take us to the kitchen and have the cook make us something. So they can have like a little bit of a break and kinda of talk about this creepy, weird smiling man at them again. Poor Rand is getting stared at a lot by first it was the scary faced man, and now it's the velvet fleshy man. There's no good staring people in this even, book yet. Even
1: Elsie, he's like True, <laughs> I'm insecure. Even when Egwene tries to he just he just doesn't understand. No. No, no. So,
0: they finally get a little break, though. They're eating their food, and Rand, hearing the gossip, realizes that he recognizes the merchant, runs out to the merchant's cart, remembers the cart from Whitebridge, and is like, oh, fuck, this guy is actually here for us. Right. But... There's also kind of no way out of it at this point, because after this, Jack and the other bodyguard are kind of just watching both of them because they can tell that Rand and Matt now know that Hate is right. probably going to try to rob them. And so now their whole goal is to just keep them inside. And now is when they're actually trapped.
1: <laughs> God. Okay, I have a, a quick insert. Did you find it weird that the book used the term bouncers for the bodyguards? Did it actually? I, I'm pretty sure it did because I um can't find it right now, but I think it did. But anyway, every time the term bouncer was used, it immediately put me in like, this is a, this is a club somewhere. I, We're in it a club. Sounds,
0: it, it does sound way too 21st century it, for yeah, me. Yeah, it really
1: does. It just is a club and there's like horrible house music yeah, and oh, there's I lights everywhere. Bounces. Yeah, and I was just like. Where are we? Is this <laughs> a, are we in Save the Last Dance? But, like, that's yeah. what I was thinking. Bat Club.
0: Yeah, no. With the bouncers. I, I, like, skipped over it while I was reading and then just started calling them bouncers in my own head because I think I, because that's what they are to me. But, like, they're, yeah, what is, what would be the other term for it, like?
1: Yeah, no, you're right. It's like what is the term? Like watchers at the door, or like the the big <laughs> the big guys at the door, like the the night's watch. Yeah, <laughs> the night's watch of the bouncer. Yeah, but yeah, this is a, this is a, another good example of how Julia and I are as readers. Julia sees something, moves on, keeps going. Me stays on <laughs> it forever. Can't get Hold up. Analyze it. Analyze it again. And we're still here. Okay, so anyway, I I needed to bring that up. So they are trapped. Thank you. And we'll head back to that. So they're trapped, and now
0: they have to perform while they're trapped, which is just, like, a horrifying thing. (sighs) He's performing already. And then to do it while you're afraid is so bad. And, like, trying to think of a way out, and there is no way out. And Haig is like, you're going to perform until the last person is gone, and they do until no one is there except for the creepy merchant he ends up leaving and then rand and matt are shown to their shitty room which is probably like under the stairs like harry potter it's literally not even a bedroom it's just a storage closet that has one window and it has iron bars on it so (laughs) good sign (laughs) all around it's great clearly never a place they were going to actually sleep only get robbed and maybe killed god okay
1: and when you think it can't get worse, someone loses their fucking eyesight, okay? <laughs> yeah, they're
0: pretty much trapped. The way this goes, we've all read the chapters, so I don't need to go over it too much, but they're trapped. Rand has very smartly wedged the door shut. Hake and his two goons get knocked out somehow by Howl Goad, the dark friend. Who has his own goons kind of surrounding the inn, so there's no way out, even if they could get out the window.
1: So the Dark Friend actually helped them out by taking care of Samuel Hake and his bros, but yeah. now this is yeah. a, a worse problem. Okay, well, at least they're right. not gonna get robbed. Now they'll just get killed.
0: Or. Yeah. right? Exact. No, well, Go doesn't even want to kill them. He tries to convince them to come to his right, side. to come like, to the
1: Sith. Join the course. dark
0: side, you know? Uh, he says, I know what you are, perhaps better than you do. I can feel it coming from you in waves. Already, you halfway belong to my master. Oof. The great lord of the dark has marked you for his own. It is written that when he awakes, the new dreadlords will be there to praise him. You must be two of them, else I would not have
1: been sent to find you. Where is it written? Like, someone wrote it on their shitty blog somewhere? (laughs) But so yeah,
0: he doesn't even threaten to kill them, necessarily. He says that the Dark One wants them, or the- Well, he doesn't call him the Dark One, he calls him the Great Lord of the Dark. Yeah, use
1: respect, I'm sorry. I guess this is what the Merdral did in Barlan too. The you know, he right. I was very confused about this as you heard in that episode. The Merdral was also not trying to kill Rand. It was more of like, "Hey, yeah. I'm going to take you to the Great Lord of Dark," and then Lan shows up mm-hmm. and then he's like, "Ah, shit. Now I'll take my sword out." Right. But yeah, so it's clear that they were any Darkfriends or any Merdral's Trollocs were given a direct order from the Great Lord of the Dark. Uh, to not kill them, that he needs to have an audience with the three boys. So at least they're right. safe for now. Very lucky for them
0: for now, because I think if there had been an order out to kill them, then they would be dead. Hundred <laughs> percent at this. Obviously at this point. Yeah. Either way, goad. Actually, Matt almost gives in to Goad because, uh, I mean, they're in a very dire situation. Literally, the only reason they get out of it is because a rogue lightning bolt strikes the side of the inn just in time when Goad is having people try to break down the door Okay. and blows a hole up and kills all of the dark friends, or at least incapacitates them enough for Rand and Matt to get away.
1: How crazy was this lightning? Yeah.
0: All right. The only downside is that Matt would happen to be staring at the window right as the lightning hits so it blinds him
1: temporarily luckily we find out okay so uh where do you think like at the end of chapter 31 and now at the end of chapter 32 do you think they're in a worse spot or a better spot obviously better (laughs) (laughs) matt's blind do you think Do you think, Matt, I like to think that Matt, he was like, hands were kind of crossed behind his back. He's like staring out the window, Mm -hmm. like contemplating moving over Mm -hmm. to the dark side and then like lightning blinds him. And maybe that's the moment he's like, that might have been a sign, I think. Could have been a sign. Yeah, you need to go towards the light. You need to go so inside of the light that it's now inside of your eyes and you're blind. Yeah. So get that scarf, Matt. You already had the idea, Matt. You knew in chapter 31. No, I won't especially like Matt's not doing it for any type of reason. It's just like his way of being like extremely extra paranoid. Matt doesn't really have any distinctive features. Like I think Rand has the light eyes and I think he does have lighter skin. Maybe that's described. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. But he definitely has lighter eyes than uh, uh, people in Emmonsfield. And then Perrin has... Perrin's a, a big boy and he has the shaggy hair, but like Matt doesn't have any physical descriptors. So why yeah. are you covering your face? You look like everyone. No, else. It's just the vibes. Matt, okay. you can't
0: cover up your scoundrel vibes. Yet, <laughs> okay. Everyone can tell that you <laughs> have a badger hidden
1: in your pocket. Everyone knows. You can't conceal vibes. No. Vibes are forever and you can't conceal them. So yeah, that's. That's four kings. Can we leave four kings, please? So they do
0: escape from four kings, unfortunately, in the middle of the night, in the middle of a thunderstorm. And from there begins the confusing chapter where it starts off a couple days ahead and then we walk back and move forward again. Yes. You know what I'm going to do is just start chronologically. Yes, please. Because I feel like trying to explain it is too confusing. All right. Here is the timeline of things. Okay. The night of their escape, Rand and Matt flee and end up sleeping under a bush. They have a really sad and sweet moment yeah. where Matt asks Rand to not leave uh, him behind because he's blind. That was so And it's sweet. so heartbreaking. Because Matt hasn't really shown something, like, a side like this before. Like, he's been paranoid and he's been fun-loving and a little flippin' about things, but he's never, like, cried, and he cries a lot in these next chapters.
1: It's just—it's all finally getting to him. I think like everyone can relate to that moment where like you've just yeah. been put, been put under a lot of stress, whether that's over a lot of the past few days or the past few weeks or months, and it's like eventually, it will come. It will catch You're up to break. you. You're gonna break. You're gonna break, and I think that's what Matt's sort of dealing with. Because I mean, this probably started for him back in—I mean, obviously back when they left Evans Field but back in like Logoth when he's just being scolded. By Moraine, and he's like, "What are we doing?" And I think he says that a lot in this in this chunk Mm -hmm. of chapters where he's like, "I don't know the plan. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's happening to me." Rand also has the same thoughts, but yeah, it's just it's sad. But you're right; it gives us a moment to appreciate their friendship and to appreciate how much they need each other and how much they're there for each other and how they would not survive without each other. So it's it's cool to have that that connection, like that we get with Perrin and Egwene. Like we wouldn't have had that. Cute Perrin and Egwene moments, unless they weren't, you know, stranded together. So I know. I kind of like They that. have some really good friendship moments yeah. for sure.
0: So from there, that same night, Rand and Matt both have a dream about Balzaman, where Balzi tells Rand all the usual stuff yeah. again, Classic as Ballsy. always. You know, the eye of the world won't serve you, you belong to me, blah, 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 blah. He also reveals that Goad. The dark friend merchant did, in fact, die from the lightning striker. It seems that way, at least. Like, right. Rand in the dream sees, essentially, zombie goad where he's, yeah. like, burned and charred uh, and hoping for his reward for finding Rand. And that reward ends up kind of horrifying him at the very end for some reason that we mm. don't really know. But... I think if you're looking for a reward from the Dark One himself, it's probably going to come with
1: some thorn. Well, I think. you know, you know what this reminded me of? It reminded me of actually Dune. Dune spoilers, sorry. Mm. No, what this reminded me of in the the major plot point in Dune is this betrayal of essentially the family doctor sells mm. out the king to <sighs> the emperor. Uh, yeah, and he's yeah. promised that he's able to be with his wife, who I believe is a prisoner. And when it's all said and done and he delivers the king to the emperor, the emperor kills him. Yeah, He's like, oh, go join your wife. And he kills him. And I think that's similar what's happening here. It's like Howell Goad maybe was promised something by the Dark One to join his side. Like, if you get these boys for me, I'll give you whatever, all of this land and a castle. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, when the Dark One has used Goad, he just dies because he's he's of no use anymore. And I think that's how, sort of the lesson with trying to align yourself with the dark side. You see this actually a lot in Clone Wars, uh, Star Wars Clone Wars a lot too, of, mm-hmm. of people who are neutral, but they join the dark side or they betray the Republic one way or another. And then they just end up killed by the dark side because they're no use anymore. And so it's just something to keep in mind. Like these people are not good. They're never good, ever. <laughs> I know. News flash: don't make a deal with the devil.
0: Probably not going to go in your favor.
1: That's actually what I was trying to say this entire time. Don't make a deal with the devil. Thank you, Julia, for summarizing yeah. my, my rant into a sentence. Thank no, you. thank
0: you. I had a long, I, it, it, the rant helped me think of it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there we go. The dream ends with Ballsy shooting a fireball into Rand's face. And when he wakes up, his face now feels sunburned. In real life, which I actually didn't pick up on my first read through of this chapter this time around, but I realized it the next time. So that's another kind of um, sign that, like, the thorn on the bush that Rand touched, I think he actually did get kind of burned on the face a little bit. Just lightly, you know, light tan from Ballsy.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's just more... More proof that these dreams are more real than maybe they appear to be. Yeah, than anyone wants them to be. And then we have a second sad
0: but sweet moment with Rand and Matt where Matt's clearly having a similar or the same dream with Balsamon. And he's like crying and Rand has to wake him up and he holds him close, like cradling him against his chest as if he were a baby and telling him that he'll be okay and... Oh God, it's just, it's horrible. It's horrible. Yeah. They're going through a lot.
1: Right. Cause it's like, they can't just have these like horrific dreams that they have to also be in a bush with no food and no prospects. They're running away and from uh, from physical, real threats. And then when mm-hmm. they try to actually sleep th- this. So right, I can't believe they're still even trying. I know. Oof. Yeah, that's the two rivers stubbornness to keep going. This is this it's is true. needed. Well, and also and, and it's mentioned later in this in this chunk, when people die, they become part of the dark one, or at least that's what the dark one mm-hmm. says. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, you think you can escape me in death? Everyone who has died or is dead belongs to me. So maybe that's a motivation too to keep going that like, if we die, yeah. we will just Submit to him. We cannot die.
0: He does keep saying that, and even if you die, you know, you're more useful to me alive, but if you die, you're still mine anyway, so... Just sucks. So, moving on, the next day, they wake up and they keep walking. Rand is kind of supporting Matt, who can't see still. They catch a ride with Alpert Mole to the next town. He ends up giving them some scarves. This is the second round of scarves they've received. They also got some... Back before Elsie Grinwell's house. And okay. this is why I was always so thrown timeline wise. Because it just like, how many scarves do they have? Did they get rid of? Maybe they didn't have yeah, Why is that the anymore. only thing
1: people are giving them?
0: I know. It's just, I guess it's not a lot to give away a scarf versus like a jacket or something. Okay. But right. anyway, they scraped together enough money to stay at an inn that night. So this is the next night after leaving Four Kings. They left Four Kings in the middle of the night. They traveled during the day on Albert Mole's cart. And then they arrived in another village and they stayed the night at an inn there.
1: Is that um, Market Sharon or no?
0: I think it is. Okay. I think it is actually, because the next morning when they wake up, Matt's eyesight is a little bit better. That rest seemed to have helped him. And then
1: Piter the dark okay. friend, yeah, is guy. there. Dark friend in training. <laughs> dark friend apprentice really?
0: i know he tries his best he literally mm. like begs them to listen to him yeah like, it's just really wait, pathetic like,
1: yeah. I'll,
0: I'll convince you for sure like buy this cryptocurrency wait like
1: guys i am bad but like hear me out because even later rand's like okay they definitely don't know we're here because they would never have sent this fucking guy so i think we're actually exactly. doing okay no rand just kind of puts an end to
0: it and punches piter in the face which is great love that moment and of course piter immediately becomes creepy after that Mm. and accidentally names himself a dark friend in front of the townspeople so now there's a giant hullabaloo in the town (laughs) and rand rand and matt have to leave (laughs) so (sighs) we're now about 24 ish hours after leaving four kings i think They catch a few more rides to the next town where the boys decide to try their luck at performing again, but this time Rand becomes sick as fuck and they end up at the inn's barn because the innkeeper can't have them inside. Everyone's gonna think it's catching or whatever, and Do we know
1: why Rand becomes sick? This kind of this part confused me because I was I kinda thought this was part of a dream, but he wasn't sick, but he is sick. But we don't know yeah.
0: why so he is this is not a dream he is sick you can figure out why but it's not explained outright okay and i don't want to explain it outright
1: got it all right yeah we'll leave it there
0: yeah so just let it ruminate and you know Ooh. it's it's not something that i okay. figured out right away for sure
1: okay no i'm just <laughs> oh Oh, a Copland theory coming to you? Well, it's not a good one, but it's it's approaching. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about it. Okay, we will. I'm writing something down. That's fine.
0: So, Rand is sick. And we'll get into the details of that, because he ends up hallucinating a lot. Mm -hmm. A lot of horrible... Of course, the theme for this chunk is horrible things are happening to them, and their brain is betraying them, and Rand hallucinates everyone pretty much that he's known coming to him at some point and just like saying horrible things yeah but besides that rand spends the night sleeping and sweating and shaking in the barn with matt taking care of him all the way up until the next morning when they meet another dark friend the (sighs) third one at least on the road and this time it's a woman and she tries to stab Matt with a dagger that leaves the wood smoldering, and it it hisses when it drops into the water. A.K.A. It's hot as fuck, and a horrifying knife. I don't know what
1: someone did to that, but it was not good. Probably evil magic or something. Well, wasn't isn't this kind of similar to the weapons in that Chatterloga with Mordath? Like they would kind of sizzle and they would turn black, or am I just kind of making that up? I thought I remembered that connection. That like the yeah. or or no, it maybe maybe when um who was it? the Trollic weapons Oh <gasps> oh shit Oh oh hold on Oh I'm just making connections as as to why because Rand is sick and hallucinating just like yep. Tam was and we know that Tam was that sick uh, as Moraine later explained, because he was, um, mm. he was attacked by the Trolloc weapons that are like, um, it's like poisoned or something that are made in this area. What's it called? Facandar. Thakindar. Yeah. Okay. So maybe that's what I'm thinking of that this weapon that this dark friend has is a, is a Facandar special. Yeah.
0: It, it, it. Definitely could be. I actually don't know what it's from, but okay. it's obviously evil, right? She's it's obviously evil. evil. Yeah. She admits it openly and tries to do the, the goad thing again, where she's like, hey, you should just stop, you know, running away. Just give in to it. Feel the pleasure of the Dark One. Take the drugs.
1: I know. And yeah, <laughs> I know they're really not being sus at all they're just like hey what's up yeah no i'm a dark friend well it's interesting Mm because um i love this part rand well if you would help me out here so they are in the barn rand is trying to sleep and matt's like comforting him and then this woman just comes up to them and she's like hey can i help you that's kind of how it happens right yeah she just walks into the barn and they're alone okay so that's already weird because what? okay whatever but it's funny because rand is like oh well she could be an Aes Sedai and his reasons oh. for thinking that she's an Aes Sedai is she talks like she's very sure of herself and basically mm-hmm. she reminds him of Moraine yeah <laughs> he's like ah yes uh perfect you are an Aes Sedai <laughs> you can help I us. recognize that behavior yeah I recognize the oh god what what is it the insufferably calm maybe and yeah insufferably calm voice but yeah, this this dark friend also has it too because she doesn't actually get named. So this scene, at least to me, reminded me of when Moraine came and healed Capital H Tam, and so it mm-hmm. seems like she's coming in and offering that same type of thing, but she's really not. She's just like, "Oh, hi guys, can I help you?" Oh shit, it's them. Yeah, <laughs> and then she goes in with her dagger, and they avoid it, and Matt. I think rightfully so, tries to kill her. And then Rand yeah. is like, we are not dark friends. Don't do this. So yeah. if I could, the connection here is that Star Wars, sorry. Because Jedi <laughs> are not allowed to kill because of emotions. They're not allowed to kill out of anger. They're not allowed to kill out of hatred, anything like that. And I think mm-hmm. Rand is sort of honoring the Jedi code with Matt, he's like we are not dark friends we cannot stoop to this level but it's it's interesting it'll be interesting as this book progresses what is that line right like are we trying Mm -hmm. to kill people out of survival or because it's fun because you see this in star wars all the time too with jedi it's like okay well why was that person that you killed justified that wasn't out of anger or hatred that was just because you had to like what is the line i think Questioning the Jedi in the Star Wars series is one of the most interesting things about that story. So I think it's cool that, or it's not cool, but that Rand is like, hey, let's question this. When it's like, he was, this dark friend was going to kill you, Rand. And now we're being like, let's be moral. I know. Like, could we just have a win? <laughs> could we kill this dark friend? As a win? And maybe eliminate one more dark friend in this world? It's just... Yeah. Because what what she's going to go and tell... Balsy and peter hey they're at this barn uh you know outside of crazeford right well she says that the murdral is on its way already right.
0: it already knows that they're there and yeah. she was just uh. like the precursor to it or whatever and all they do is end up leaving her in the barn i think she's like locked into a horse stall or something okay and like Obviously, they also can't go back to this town again, because what she is going to tell everyone else who finds her is that these two guys are crazy and locked her in a stall and, like, tried to kill her. Mm-hmm. But also, killing someone is
1: a really far step to take at this point in their no, journey. It, like they, it they is. They just
0: left home. No, it
1: really is, but, like, the psychology of that is so fascinating to me. You're right, because it's like... Yeah. You know, wanting to kill someone, wanting revenge and stuff like that. There's that. And then there's actually going mm-hmm. through it in the act. Like mm-hmm. in... Uh, now I'm just going, going through all my favorite fantasy stories. Like <laughs> in uh, Harry Potter, when when Sirius Black is... um, This is at the end of book three, Prisoner of Azkaban, when it's revealed... Scabbers is Peter Pettigrew, and Sirius is like, Uh, I want to kill this guy. And then Harry's like, No, I don't think that my dad wanted you guys to become killers. I don't want to make Mm -hmm. you murderers or something. And I think that plays here where it's like, Matt, you are not a murderer because if you take this person's life, that's what you did. You took this person's life and you murdered her, regardless of what she is or what she was going to do to you. And ultimately, that's going to affect you negatively. So. I don't know. I always think I find that interesting to think about where it's like psychopaths are psychopaths because they don't feel anything when they kill other people. But for normal people, quote unquote, it, it takes something out of you to do that to another person. And so it would be very bad for Matt. And obviously, as we've learned from these chapters, they are as emotional as they possibly can be. They are at probably yeah. the worst <laughs> point in their life. You probably don't want to end that run with a murder, so let's just let's just keep a shred of humor. Yeah, humanity. that would probably
0: tip things in the wrong direction. So that all happens, obviously, with the news of the murder. All they have to get out, even though Rand was sick, he seems to be feeling a little bit better this morning. It's early enough in the morning that they can kind of make their way out of town without people seeing them too much. And this is how they end up meeting the guy at the beginning of the chapter. Hiam Kinch. Kinch is his name. He has a cart.
1: Yeah, it's the that band with the three sisters. I'm pretty sure that's what this is. The band with the three sisters? Hiam? No? You don't you don't know Hiam? Okay. No. It's fine. It's fine. What's Hiam? It's they're they're a band and they it's these three sisters and they have like awesome, like middle part long 70s hair, and they kind of do like rock pop. They're like best friends with Taylor what? Swift. They're great. I'm looking them up future Higham. You, you would you would enjoy them they're
0: very cool anyway so well that's a great sign Higham kinch is obviously trustworthy because we already know that taylor swift is a wheel of time fan so that's where they got yes, their name actually add this to the theory <laughs> and so now we're back at the beginning of the chapter so this chapter kind of starts off like i said a couple days ahead and this is where we end up it's okay. like a little while down the road, Matt's eyes are feeling better. Matt asks Rand how he's feeling. Rand is feeling a little bit better.
1: This is why I was so confused about the blindness because of this time jump. Like, so Matt is yeah. better, but now he's sobbing into but then Rand's he's worse again? arms. Yeah. Wait, he's right. not blind.
0: Right. So it was all a little confusing, but this guy is like another talker, not as much as the last cart they get into. Ugh. Almond butt, oh. almond bunt. Oh, the. One interesting thing that they learned from Kinch is that the Two Rivers is actually part of the Queen's realm. So as we're getting closer to Camelin, we're learning more about the realm. And Camelin is clearly run by a queen along the road later on. I think we run into some Queen's guards and stuff. And they're kind of known for keeping what's called the Queen's peace. Right. And even though the Two Rivers is far as hell away apparently it's part of her realm even though obviously they've never seen the queen's guard before or anything right. but kinch informs them of that and rand wonders what master alvir the mayor of emmons field would say yeah. if someone told him that the two rivers was part of some queen's
1: realm i mean forget the mayor what would nynaeve say okay that's what i thought oh yeah do you want to talk about rand's hallucinations oh, in more detail yes Yes,
0: definitely. Okay, so I just have a list of all the people that Rand sees. There's, like, a couple pages of descriptions of Rand being sick. So he starts off in the inn, but Rand is suddenly very queasy. His bones feel cold. He can't think at all. He doesn't even realize that he's on the ground, actually, until Matt is helping him up, and he's also holding all of Rand's items. Mm. And while Rand is kind of making it through this fever that he has... He hallucinates Balsamon walking towards him and Shouts actually wakes up Matt and tells him that he's here, but Matt obviously doesn't see him.
1: Wait, so is- so, this is kind of funny to think about. Is Rand having these hallucinations and, and at the same time Matt is, like, blind? So, like, they're they're two people, yeah. like, barely- <laughs> yeah, barely They're not keeping it together. <laughs>
0: like, if you came across these two guys in the barn, like, one is sitting in yeah. the hay and the other one's trying to, like- <laughs> periodically cover him with a jacket and like force food down his throat but also that one can't see yeah that one can't see has like a scarf wrapped around his head and
1: they're they're just maybe the dark friend like came by earlier and saw that scene and she's (laughs) like i'll actually come back because it's probably more satisfying to kill them when they're a little bit more put together (laughs) which she's
0: actually i just realized the first dark friend to actually try to kill them
1: i was gonna oh dude yeah so maybe she's kind of working for, you know, someone else, but still a dark yeah. friend. Maybe Black Aja. Oh. No, I'm actually saying things that I don't know what they mean. So ignore me. <laughs> that's what Coplins are for. That's that's Coplins. Hello. It's a me. It's a me, yeah. Yeah, but Rand, back to Rand's Okay, struggles. hallucinations. Um, he does see it's it's Aggie. Aggie and she is upset because she's like i'm dead i'm dead because you left me and rand is pleading and he's like i didn't leave you like i didn't want to like no Egwene come back no stay with me and it's just mm-hmm. obviously his fears presenting because that's one of his greatest fears is that tam is not his father and Egwene dies because of rand's actions directly because of rand because at this point rand right. Rand believes anything that is bad that's happening to not only Egwene, but to Matt Perrin is his fault. So that's a huge fear of his uh, not being able to see Egwene again. Moraine, of course, is like, you have to go (laughs) to Tar it's the only way you will be safe. And like, so not only physically Rand is struggling and in every other sense he's struggling, but he also is struggling because he doesn't know where he will be safe. He knows that he has to go to Camelon and meet up with Moraine. That's his best chance for safety. But mm-hmm. he's like, okay, I know that we're supposed to go to Tar Valen and that's where we're going to be safe. But I'm constantly hearing conflicting things from some a person that I admire and trust. Tom Marilyn is telling me not to do that. And this right. is someone who just died for us. And so he's just constantly getting these... Conflicting reports of what to do. Yeah, as you wrote here, Tom reminds him never to trust Aes Sedai. Yup. <laughs> For some reason, Lan shows up. And of course, Lan is just like, you shouldn't have that sort of so uh, And the most dramatic yeah. he's ever been, he's saying this while
0: blood pours out of his mouth. That's fun. It is quite fun.
1: <laughs> yeah, somehow Bael Doman shows up, which I was sad <laughs> yeah. that in Ran's dream, he didn't yeah. also like quote. Male Domon? I know. Come on. Do Maybe B, quote they be following me. The Trollocs yeah. they be after me. Okay? They do now, for true. But obviously, Tam comes at the end, and it's the worst one. Because, well, what what is the specifics of what actually happens with Tam? He basically is like, I'm disappointed in you, or like, I'm not... He doesn't say anything. He
0: does... The ultimate, like, dad, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. But he does it by right. standing over Rand and shaking his head. Right.
1: And, of course, that's more powerful than actual words. But, yeah, other people just die. Like, Min's in fire. Mister Salvier, Perrin. Yeah. I'm glad that um, Master Fitch and his inn gets another shout-out. Because I was pretty, uh... Yeah. I was pretty angry about yeah. how that all broke down. And, I mean... The inn still got burned down regardless, but I thought it was kind of cool to mention that as another casualty of their destruction, their path of destruction. Yeah. Like, hey, remember that yeah. that inn that we just totally destroyed because of us?
0: <laughs> yeah. We didn't forget it. It's still destroyed, but I'm still I still feel guilty over it, so Moraine that.
1: gave them coins. Okay, never forget them.
0: Okay. So the last chapter of this dumpy of an episode, The Last Village, chapter thirty-four. It is now back to present day. It's been three nights since the incident for Kings. Rand and Matt are walking along the road again, and there's lots of other travelers with them. They're getting closer to Camlyn. two days by foot, according to Kinch, with the cart. Local farmers no longer want help from anyone. There's too many strangers being sketchy, so the boys have to sleep rough again in haystacks this time, and that seems to be at least a little warmer than a hedge. Hmm. Rand and Matt have another sweet-slash-sad moment where Matt asks Rand if he thinks they'll make it to Camelin. Which, Hmm. if that doesn't show you where their mindset is at at this point when Kinch says that they're two days away by foot, Matt pretty much thinks they're dead, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, they should be. They really should be.
0: They really should be, yeah. And they pretty much walk as far as they possibly can. It's now nighttime to the final village where they witness this meeting between a Fade, which they don't realize immediately, a Emergeral, and the innkeeper there. And it's pretty much this three-person thing, right? It's the Fade, the innkeeper, and then this man who turns out to be Almond Bunt working on his cart and kind of eavesdropping <laughs> over their conversation mm-hmm. because he clearly has an eye for spotting the sketchy people. But essentially the fate is just telling the innkeeper who i'm going to assume is a dark friend at this point because mm. no one can talk to a murdral without just peeing themselves if they haven't talked to them many times before that's true and the fate is giving brandon matt's description and saying like oh they stole my sword that's the story we're gonna tell and like so there, don't approach them they're dangerous Beware of them but let me know if you find them And luckily for Rand and Matt, the Fade kind of disappears into the night and doesn't actually cause them any more trouble. And doubly luckily, Almond Bunt, the man who has a cart and is on his way to Camelin, realizes that the figure that the innkeeper was talking to, he couldn't see who it was, but he could tell that this guy was bad news, right? Mm -hmm. Fades are human looking enough that they can kind of blend in with people if you don't see their face. (laughs) I think at that point it becomes obvious because they don't have eyes but yeah
1: at that point is when i knew it's obvious
0: (laughs) and rand and matt kind of go up to bunt because he's leaving in the middle of the night to beat the traffic essentially like you know every old man has done once in his life yeah and agrees to take them because he realizes that the story about a stolen sword or something is probably bogus and that creepy figure was more bad news than these two young boys who probably have lost a lot of weight at this point and look horrible one of them
1: is partially blind still the other one is just recovering like (laughs) well he says he's like i essentially have food poisoning like i'm fine i just haven't slept at all for two weeks
0: and bunt just takes them to Camelin essentially through the night rand falls asleep and has one more dream I think, yes, on the way there, where Tam and Rand are talking with Tam's sword in between them. Tom is on the litter that Tam was originally on, saying this weird phrase, The queen is wed to the land, but the dragon, the dragon is one with the land, and the land is one with the dragon. A fade shows up in the dream with Matt, Perrin, and Egwene on tethers, and the fade burns Egwene alive. Solid. And then Rand kind of wakes up, but it turns out he's still in a dream. And this is the dream that I wanted to connect from way the beginning of the episode, where Balsamon isn't there, but there's a raven sitting on Rand's chest, and it says, you are mine, which is a very Balsamon line. Yeah. And then it stabs Rand in the eye, which is exactly what happens to Perrin. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like this is what lines up the timelines, I'm thinking. And so this is right before Perrin and Egwene kind of get chased by ravens. And after this, they make it to Camelot. I mean, hell yeah!
1: I'd say the only, <laughs> the only thing I want to mention, and I'll try to make it quick because I think this, there was a lot of foreshadowing and setup into things to come. Um, mm-hmm. but it's mentioned that Camelin is busier because the false dragon is there, or yes. some people refer to him as the dragon Loghain, and so a lot of people are flocking there, and that's why the roads are busier, and And Randy yes. even mentions it's kind of a blessing in disguise because it just makes it more crowded and more, uh, mm-hmm. or it makes it harder for them to stick out because it's a bunch of young boys, right, trying to find this false dragon. And then Almond, Almond, but, Almond, this is not <laughs> only the name Blunt. doesn't like fit with all the other type of wheel of time names it's like almond bunt he also tells them kind of gives more of like a history backstory into the royal family of oh yes of, i guess Camelin, but she rules is it amador like i i know we'll learn more about queen yes Morgue's. that is the
0: name of the realm So, Camelin is the the capital, pretty much, and then the realm is, uh, or Andor, actually.
1: Andor, sorry. Yeah, I know there's, like, a lot of different, all the fucking names sound the same, all the people's names are the same. So, we learn that they are somehow connected to, or at the very least, do not find Aes Sedai to be dark friends, because they send the daughter heir to train in Tarvalon, and they send, I guess, the prince to be a warder. Which are both yes. very, you know, Aes Sedai things. But the last ones, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, Jay, but the last ones, the warder, the prince who was sent up to be a warder was killed in the blight. Yep. And the daughter heir was lost. So she, uh, yes. as her name, as her title would suggest, would be the heir, but she was lost. So some people believe she may still be alive, meaning that the current queen is not the rightful heir, which is, oh, I live for this shit. I love yeah, it's just the taste of the politics. The taste of the politics. Give me more of that shit. Give it to me. That's so interesting. So I know we'll probably be learning more about that later, but that yeah. made me pretty excited to, to sort of learn more about that. Another thing that was mentioned is that Queen Morghese has an Aes Sedai advising her. And yes. the villagers, this is all according to this one guy, Almond Blunt. Oh <laughs> Jesus Christ. Not almond blood. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be the title of this episode. <laughs> I am so sorry. Um, But he also says that Queen Morgaze has an Aes Sedai advisor and people yep. kind of have mixed feelings about that. Like, is it really the Aes Sedai who is in power? Not Queen Morgaze. But Queen Morgaze is so mm-hmm. powerful. She makes even men kneel to her. Damn. Like, she's so respected is what he's saying. Yeah. So rand immediately is like oh shit well she's i said i then maybe moraine is gonna seek her when she gets to camelyn maybe that might be a good place to start in terms of who we should mm-hmm. look for in finding mm-hmm. moraine and everyone else so um yeah this this chunk is a really good chunk to have gone through because it gets us to camelyn it gets a lot of parts moving for the next portion of this book which i really can't right. wait for and we got some good character moments from Rand and Matt. Their friendship is strong. I can't believe they survived this shit, but they did. Fuck yeah. I know. But yeah, we got a lot of we got a lot of stuff to go through. Yeah. This is, to be honest, this is kind of the first time where I understood that this could be a 14 book series. Oh, because uh-huh. before I'm like, okay, this seems very much not that it's not complicated, but it seems very much like, okay. There's, you know, bad guy looking for the boys, Aes Sedai's. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How is this 14 books? What what <laughs> else could be happening? And it was really them starting to talk about Queen Morgaze and other Aes Sedai sort of advising other kingdoms. You know, world expanding, world building where I'm like, oh, yeah. I, I can see it getting more, more and more complicated. And as these characters yeah. grow and change, so... Oh get ready. I love this shit. The world
0: building will only continue from here. Robert Jordan, (laughs) that's my neighbors. Rojo does not stop. Oh no, he does not stop. He does such a good job of building up this world and making it feel so real and expanding it in a really easily digestible way, I would say. It just, it felt so natural to me that sometimes I didn't even notice. The magic being used in this world or like the fantastical elements because it just feels so
1: real. Yeah, you're just in it. Right. But yeah, great chapter. Love it. Next chapter is Camelin. Can't wait. Camelin! It's not the same as Whitebridge,
0: but I tried. <laughs> it's not. No. And with that, we're gonna call it there. The dumpy is done. Everything has been dumped. Hope you guys enjoyed it. As always, follow us on Twitter at Copland Talk. email us if you want to at gmail. Talk to you coplins next week, I can't wait for Camelin. Bye!